I think you came ready to worship this morning. I mean, we should do that every week, right? But it just seems like you particularly came ready to worship the Lord today. He's always worthy. And He's worthy even when we're not in this building right here. Every day that we live, He is worthy to be praised. Amen. What a wonderful opportunity to be here in the Lord's house today. As I was driving, I was meditating on the message I'm going to preach today. But then the rain caught my attention. Uh, It was raining from Mount Washington all the way here. And it was that good kind of rain. It wasn't the kind that just came and just, you know, washed everything away. But it was just a gentle, slow, drought-busting rain. And I thought to myself, I spiritualize everything sometimes to my, to my own harm. But I was spiritualizing that and saying, Lord God, that's the kind of rain that we need spiritually. We, we don't necessarily need something to just come and remove everything. We just need something to just gently pour into our spirit and feed us and bust whatever drought may be in our lives. And I'm so thankful that the Lord is aware of all that we need anytime we need it. And He is able to provide it. Amen? So it is good to be in the Lord's house today and good to see you. I just want to uh, say to our parents of small children, I thank you for bringing your children to church on Sunday morning and not skipping out on praise and worship because you know that they're going to be in here with you. You know, several months ago, we decided that our kids need to experience grown-up church. And I know that that is harder for you because you have to kind of watch them and keep your eyes upon them while we're singing and ministering and worshiping. This morning I was just noticing some of our youngers that were in the house today and they were watching some of the adults as they were lifting their hands and worshiping the Lord. They were able to witness and hear with their own ears a prophetic word that came forth from the Lord. You see, they need to experience this kind of worship. I'm glad we have children's church. And I know you're glad that you get a break by halfway through and you get to send them all to the back room. I understand that. But I'm so thankful that you are faithful to bring them and bring them into this sanctuary. Listen, don't ever feel bad if your child hollers or screams or cries or gets a little bit beside themselves. Don't worry about that. They'll grow out of that. And I'd much rather have a church that is filled with the exuberance of youth than to have one that is missing and lacking that. So thank you so much, parents, for your uh, faithfulness in bringing them and teaching them that the Word of the Lord and worship of the Lord is very important. Well, I'm proud to announce to you today that there was never any doubt about this. But the General Assembly of the Church of God, as most of you know, met in San Antonio, Texas this last week. Donna and I stayed back this year uh, for, for obvious reasons, but we sent Pastor John down there. He voted and represented our church very, very beautifully and wonderfully. Uh, we were able to elect our existing General uh, Overseer for another two years and some new faces coming on. and. Uh, I I believe the future is bright for the Church of God. You may not be aware of this. We meet here every week on Sunday morning. But we exist in 186 nations around the world. And I'm telling you, there's a bunch of us. And we're all able to come together and gather. Donna and I sat on the couch and watched the live stream and the worship and enjoyed the presence of the Lord. I was watching all of my friends and buddies as they were getting appointed to this, that, and the other. And I'm just sitting there with a big old smile on my face. Because I knew that I was coming right back here to Spirit Life Church. I never left. And I don't intend to, just for those of you who are wondering. I felt like that when the Lord brought me here, He brought me here until He's finished with me here. And I believe that we have a lot of years left together. 
And over the next few weeks and months, we're going to start unpacking and unfolding all that God wants to do in this community through our church. But listen, I can't do it by myself. I need you. And I believe that as we work together, that God will give us wonderful, wonderful influence in our community. And we're going to be able to do some wonderful things that are only possible when God's people work together in unity. The psalmist said this about the unity as it comes down the mountain of God. He said, it is there that God commands the blessing. So whenever the church is in unity and we are unified, and we are, then God commands a blessing there. I'm so thankful. I was talking to a pastor yesterday, and he was expressing some frustration with some kickback that he's getting from his congregation. And I'm just, I'm not wanting to say it out loud because I didn't want him to feel bad. But inside, I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus, for Spirit Life Church and the opportunity to work with a group of people that love one another and love us and are willing to work together in unity. I just want you to know how much I love you and how pleased that I am to be able to be your pastor. Amen. We've been asked this morning by our state officials and our we are, by the way, getting a new administrative bishop in Kentucky. The one uh, brother and sister Fisher who have been with us the last six years have been appointed uh, to the Lone Star State, Texas, which is where they're both from. And we are getting a new administrative bishop. Uh, many of you will know him possibly. His name is Tony Cooper. And he has over 20 years of pastoral experience here in the state of Kentucky. He's a Kentucky boy and he's coming back home and he's going to be leading us over this next period of time. So as soon as his calendar will allow it, I will invite him to come and preach for us. And uh, you can get to know him and uh, we'll be able to see and hear his heart and know what God is going to do through us as a state uh, church of God over the next few years. But they have asked us this morning to receive an offering, a disaster relief offering on behalf of the Church of God congregations that have been impacted by the flooding in eastern Kentucky. I'm not sure what the numbers are today. The last I heard, there were 25 people that they know for sure uh, have lost their life. They were telling the story of one young lady that went to bed the night before when the storm and the rains came. And when she woke up, everything that she had known before was gone. The house was gone. The rest of her family was gone. Somehow she was miraculously spared her life. And she woke up to a new reality. I'm thankful that the Church of God is part of one of the most effective and quick uh, disaster relief uh, congregations and denominations in the United States. Uh, every time you pay your tithe into this local church, a portion of that goes to help um, our, our leg, our arm called Operation Compassion. We're generally some of the first ones there on the spot with water and tools and and other kinds of things that will allow us to minister in that location. But it takes a lot. And you know Kentucky has been adversely affected not only with flooding, but just a few months ago on the western side of the state, uh, some major storms and tornadoes that wiped some of our churches. I saw a picture yesterday of the Jackson Church of God in eastern Kentucky and all you can see is the top portion of their, their roof as it is above the water. Everything else is underwater. It's completely, completely ruined. And so they need our help. They need our assistance. And so as I often do, I'm going to depend on you to pray and seek God. See what the Lord would have you to do. This is not your tithe. This is not a special project. This is a disaster relief free will offering. And we're asking you to consider giving today. And so I want the ushers to come with the baskets. And we're going to sing a little bit of an old song that says, My God can do anything. 
and we're going to give you an opportunity to give. Now, if you didn't come prepared today to give with your checkbooks or whatever, uh, you can do it later. Uh, you can write a check and later put it in the boxes at the back if you'd like to do that. Or you can give online as well as many of you do. Just go to our website and there's a place there for you to give. And you can do it online using your credit card or your debit card or whatever the case may be. And you have my pledge and the pledge of our administrative bishop that whatever you give in this offering today, 100% of what is given in our church and every other Church of God congregation in the state of Kentucky, 100% of that will go to the project and the, to the churches in eastern Kentucky. So I want you to give liberally today and give according to your heart. Listen, if you don't have to give, I know the economy's tough right now. I know, I know that everybody's just scraping ends just to pay for gasoline and groceries and things of that nature. But I'm reminded of a church in the New Testament that in the midst of their own great personal need, they gave generously to someone else who was in need and by doing so planted seed that allowed God to do the miraculous in their own life. So maybe you feel impressed to give a seed offering today that will go for this project. I promise you, every bit of it will go to it. And we'll see God move in the lives of our brothers and sisters in those communities in eastern Kentucky. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us this morning to be a part of this great church. Lord, we're not a perfect church. We're certainly not the only church and denomination that exists. I'm just glad that we're a part of one that does care and cares deeply. Today, as we receive this offering of benevolence, this free will gift, and over the next few days, I know how our people work. There will be money coming in for the next several days. Lord, I pray that you will use that money to meet the need here in eastern Kentucky. And Lord, I pray for every family and every individual that has been affected and impacted. Many of them woke up the next morning and their worlds were completely changed. Some of them, everything they had was gone. And they're starting all over again. Lord, as difficult as that must be and as painful as it must be, I'm so glad that we serve not only a Savior, but that we serve a God who cares and loves us with an everlasting love. And I ask you to wrap your arms around them today and comfort them by your Spirit. And Father, we'll be grateful for what you will do and we will be thrilled to hear the positive reports that will come our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Give freely today as the ushers come your way. My God can do anything, anything, anything. My God can do anything. He made this earth with all its and all that time shall bring, my God can do anything, my God can do anything, 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 my Aren't you glad for that this morning? He made this earth and all its fullness and all that time shall bring my God can do anything. I want us to sing it one more time. I just feel impressed that there might be someone in the house right now that you really need God desperately to do something on your behalf. And you can't even really wait until the end of the service when we would normally pray. There's something right now that God needs to intervene 
over in your life. And so I want us to sing it one more time. And if you really believe, if you have the faith to believe that God can do anything, I just right there in your seat, you don't have to come up front, just right there. I just want you to lift your hand and sing it. And by that, say, by faith, God, I believe you're going to do it in Jesus' name. Will you sing, my God can do anything, 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 my God can do anything. I believe that with all my heart. He made this earth and all its fullness and all that time shall bring my God can do anything. Now, Father, I thank you for this time in our service when we can turn to your word and that we can receive it freely by faith and know that your word has been provided for us and we're going to have it receive it activate it in our lives Lord I pray for all those who are home this morning I know that we've got several that stayed home today that they're being cautious that they've been exposed to this virus once again and it just seems like that there's a season here in our city We've turned red again, but just because the numbers say we're red doesn't mean, God, that you're incapable of keeping us safe and healing our bodies. And so, Lord, for those who are being cautious today, bless them and allow them to experience the same Word of God and the same Spirit as they listen at home. And we give you praise and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I came to church today. How about you? Amen. Amen. Last week, I started a new series of messages, just two weeks, that I entitled Course Correction. Have you ever felt like that maybe you were just off course in some area in your life? Not necessarily that you were a sinner or that you were doing things that were unrighteous or, or not right, but just something was not right. It's like if you have a tire on the front of your car that is out of balance. The car can still drive. You can still move in a particular direction, but because the tire is out of balance, it kind of wiggles like that. And, and you know that something is just not quite right. Well, sometimes, spiritually, those kinds of things can take place. We can still consider ourselves saved, and we are saved, and, and we know that the Lord is on our side, but we know that Something is just not right. Last week, I talked about the subject, I am too mad to be glad. You remember that? I had one of our constituents said, Pastor, you are beating me up. And I turned to my wife and said, if he doesn't stop soon, I'm leaving. I can't take any more. I think the wife said, You should stay because you need to hear what he has to say. Sometimes we just get too mad to be glad. Isn't that true? We talked about that last week. But today, I want to move on beyond that. And I've entitled the message today, I'm just too guilty to feel free. Aren't you uh, aware that pastors all the time say things like, Uh, Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But isn't it true that there are times in our lives when we don't feel that freedom? And the reason that we don't feel that freedom is because there is a corner of our heart that is dealing with guilt. And I want to talk about that for a few moments today. And when we come to the conclusion of this message, I want you to be fully aware that you can be free in Christ Jesus. That no matter what your past looked like, 
that you are free in Jesus. And you can overcome every feeling of guilt that you have ever experienced. And so I want us to look at it today. And the first thing that I want you to see is that Scripture reveals the reality of guilt. Every person that has ever lived and is alive today has at some point experienced a sense of guilt in their lives. Look what Scripture has to say about it. Psalm chapter 38 and verse 4, it says, For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. How many of you ever felt like that? How many of you felt the weight of the guilt over some circumstance or situation that has occurred in your life? And the psalmist is letting us know that there are times that it seems as though we are underwater, but God does not want us to drown underwater. He wants to lift us up and give us a reprieve from the guilt that we have experienced. It is not too heavy when the Lord is on our side. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, the prophet says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What he's saying here is, is that Spiritually, I have visualized what God appears to look like in my mind. And in seeing Him, I've recognized how unholy that I am. I have recognized how guilty I am. Did you notice that He was talking about His unclean lips and the people around Him with unclean lips as well? I'm going to chase a rabbit for just a second, and then I promise I'll come right back to the Scripture. But we live in a day and age where the language that we have to hear in our ears is as vulgar as it has ever been, and even more so than in years past. And as men and women of God, we have a responsibility to keep our words clean in our circle of influence. And so if we're not doing that, we need to get our mouth under subjection to the things of the Word of God. So that was free. It wasn't part of the message that I'd planned to preach. You didn't co- it doesn't cost you another dime for you to hear that. Let's clean up our speech so that those who are around us know that there's something different about our tongues. Luke chapter 5, verse 8 says, But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knee, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now the scripture says that those who walk in darkness do not want to be be encountered by the light of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because light always reveals what is hiding in the darkness. And what Peter is saying here is, is that when I saw with my eyes the glory of Jesus Christ and and the, the circumstance and the environment, then I fell on my face realizing the guilt in my own life. So Scripture, and I could go on and on and on talking to you about how that Scripture reveals the fact that we all experience at some point in life guilt. You can look at Adam and Eve and you can understand why they covered themselves with leaves is because they had committed sin and there was unrighteousness in them and so they tried to cover it themselves by covering themselves with leaves. 
When you go to King David, he begged God in Psalm chapter 51 to forgive him of his sin with Bathsheba and against Uriah and against, uh, against God himself. And he said, forgive me and please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he talked about how badly his bones were hurting because of the guilt that he was carrying. You could go to Isaiah and again he cried out in sorrow for the unclean expressions from his lips and the people that he lived amongst. And then you could go on and see Peter who is deeply grieved after denying the Lord. If you will for just a moment imagine a courtroom scene. The trial has been going on when the accused stands up and says Judge, your honor, I'd like to change my plea. I wish to plead guilty. Surprised, the judge replies, I don't understand. You said at the beginning that you were, uh, you were innocent at the beginning of the trial. Why are you now changing your plea? And the accused explained, I thought I was innocent. Innocent. But at that time, I hadn't heard all of the evidence against me. Now that's kind of a humorous little story, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's possible sometimes for us to just feel like that we're as righteous as righteous can be. That we're as holy as holy can be. That we are as good as good can be. And then all of a sudden something comes up and the evidence perks us up to the reality that there is unrighteousness in us. And we need the Lord to sanctify us and set us apart from the things, uh, the actions and the attitudes of our life. So the reality is that guilt is a universal experience of humankind. At some point in our lives, all of us have experienced guilt. Some of you maybe have experienced guilt even this week. Some of you possibly today. Some of you it's been a year ago. But whenever the guilt is there, it is our responsibility to come before the Lord and ask the Lord for the remedy to that guilt. And there is a remedy to our guilt. And that's my second point. Scripture reveals a remedy for our guilt. Listen, child of God, you don't have to carry the weight of your guilt. You can lay it off and lay it aside. The Christian does not have to be burdened by guilt from the wrongs that we have committed or from the wrongs that have been committed against us. We can put them all in the hands of Jesus. I'm so glad today that he has caused us to be free because of forgiveness. Let's look what scripture has to say. Psalm chapter 103 and verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Aren't you glad that he moves them away from us? That he takes them from us and removes them so that we do not have to be confronted by our guilt. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Aren't you glad that he is able to change the color of our character? Once what, what was once dark and, and bloody red is now white and made like wool in his sight. He is able to take our guilt. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 8 says, I will cleanse them from all of the guilt. Will you say all of the guilt? Of their sin against me. And I will forgive. Say forgive. All of the guilt of their sin. And rebellion against me. Did you ever feel like there's something in your life. That God could not forgive. 
I mean, it was so bad. It was so wrong. It was such a dark season of your life that you lived in, that you felt like that even though I've made an attempt now to follow Jesus and have accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, there's no way that I can ever be forgiven of this. There's no way that He can ever cleanse me of this. There's no way that I can go back and it be fixed. But let me tell you, that is contrary to what I just read to you. He said in his word and through his prophet, I will cleanse them from all of the guilt. I will forgive them from all of the sin. Let me tell you today, you are not a sinner. You may be a sinner saved by grace, but now you are known in the heavenlies as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what He has made righteous and what He has made holy will stand forever because nothing can be plucked from His hand. Amen? I'm glad I'm righteous today. I'm glad you're righteous today. I'm glad I'm forgiven today. You know, I think sometimes we spend too much time asking God for things that are materialistic and will one day pass away. Lord, help me to get a better job. Lord, help me to get a bigger house. Lord, help me to get a Cadillac that's plated with gold. Lord, help me to get this, that, or the other. And sometimes we just need to spend the day being grateful for one of the things that He has given us that has impacted our life more than anything else and that is the salvation of our souls uh, that gives us the right to expect and look forward to eternity in heaven with him I'm glad I'm saved are you glad you're saved why don't you just take a moment and tell Jesus how grateful that you are that he saved you let him know that you're glad You say, well, I'm not saved. How do I get saved? How do I have what you're talking about? Well, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I've been cleansed. When I was a kid, when I'd be playing outside all day, my mom would make me come in at nighttime. And there were two places that she always made sure that I was clean. The first was my feet. I couldn't come into the house without taking my shoes off. It doesn't matter if I I didn't go barefoot. I've never been one to be be barefooted. But she'd make me take my shoes off because she said my feet stunk from being outside and playing all day and all that. She'd make me sit down and she'd wash my feet with a rag and with soap and get them clean. And then while she still had that warm rag in her hands, uh, she would wash behind my ear and make sure that all the dirt and the dust and the grime and everything else uh, uh, that had collected uh, through the day behind my ear was clean. And then she'd put me in bed and then she'd pray for my soul that I would be saved and that my spirit man would be as clean as my fleshly man. He said if you'll confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you're clean because of Jesus. You've been set free because of him. So stop worrying about something that you did 25 years ago because it's washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. And as Andre Crouch used to sing, the blood will never lose its power. Amen. The blood still works today. The blood still washes God's people clean today. The blood will still take the the vilest sinner and wash that sinner clean. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for the remission of our sins uh, and we are clean today because of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Scripture reveals the results of the remedy for guilt. Now the Greek word translated forgiveness means to send it away. And picture someone taking our guilt and sending it away. Thus removing it from our view. That's what some of us need to do with our past. 
That's what some of us need to do with those things that have been done against us and to us. You don't have to live the rest of your life with the guilt of something or the pain of something that happened so many years ago. You can be free from it in Jesus. You can be released. You can be cleansed. You can be reconciled to God and to the relationship with Him. Isn't it good to know that you've been released? I mean, whatever it is. And I, I fully recognize and realize that some of you have experienced pain beyond anything that I've experienced in my life. Some of you had parents, whether it was a mom or a dad, that treated you inappropriately. That treated you in ways that they should have never treated you. I can't change that. You'll never be able to change that. But there's one thing that you can change. And that is the pain from that circumstance and situation. Because you've traded an earthly father for a heavenly father that loves you and is passionate about seeing his very best blessings finding their way into your soul and into your spirit. But you've got to release it. You've got to be willing to let it come out of your hand. You have to be willing to be cleansed from it. You have to be willing to crawl up into the lap of Abba Father and allow Him to wrap His arms of love around you uh, and take away the pain from that situation and allow His goodness to be experienced in your life. He wants to love you fully, but you have to let Him fully love you fully. Some of us are proud of our guilt. I, I know someone who has told me, I don't know how many times, I'm proud of the season of my life when I was not serving the Lord. I'm proud of who I was. I'm proud of every bad thing I've ever done because it has made me what I am today. Well, listen, I'm not proud of the things that I've done in the past. And God thought that I needed them removed from my life. And so why would I be proud of something that God has said, let's get that out of your life. Let's get that out of your soul. Let's get that out of your spirit. Listen, listen if you just want one of those old-time testimonies, you know, as a kid, we used to talk about uh, the Sammy Hall singers and people like, you don't even know who that is, most of you, but, but they were singers that had this testimony, you know. They'd been out in sin. They had been taking drugs and smoking pot and, and, and shooting up and getting drunk and all that kind of thing, but somehow got saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'd always just say, well, I had a testimony. Well, and then I knew young people that they'd, they'd want to go out and drink and smoke pot and, and take drugs and do all those things so they could have a testimony. Listen, I'm perfectly fine to have a testimony that speaks only to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I'm not at all proud of the season in my life before Christ came into my heart. But I am proud that He was willing and able to cleanse me and to bring me out of it and set my feet on a firm foundation. I'm glad for what He has done. The recovery of David after his sin with Bathsheba is found in Psalm chapter 32, verses 2 through 5, and it says this, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the day, as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Instead, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I want you to notice something that he said. He said, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day. For Look at verse 4. For day and night, 
your hand was heavy upon me. Can I tell you that sometimes God has to put his heavy hand on us to get us to recognize things in our life that need to be fixed. We have to feel the pressure of his hand heavy upon us before we can experience the course correction that we're praying for and needing. So I don't want to see your hands today, but I just want to ask you today, how many of you have felt the heavy hand of the Lord upon you? Maybe some of you are feeling it right now. Some of you have just recently read a passage of Scripture that said something to you that you could not deny what Scripture was saying. Or you could pass it over. You could act like it did not exist. But you could not say that doesn't really exist in the Word of God. Something happened that caused you to read it. And when you read it, something pricked your spirit. And and I know some of you guys will go ahead and start texting because pastor said that. But it it will prick your spirit and cause you to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. See, sometimes the heavy hand of God has to press down upon us. Did you ever have your parents get on to you about something and they were heavy against you? There were times that my mom said, I'd prefer you not do that. And then there are other times when my mother said, if you do that one more time, son, I'm telling you I'm going to whip you all the way from here to Texas. Heavy upon you. You say, well, what is that? Does that mean I'm not saved? Does that that mean I'm being condemned by God? No, it means that the hand of the Lord is bringing through through, through you and to you a process of discipline that is not meant to destroy you, but is meant to develop you into the child of God that He wants you to be. So how do we deal with that? Well, we deal with that by saying, Lord, I feel your heavy hand upon me. And I know there's something in there. And if you'll reveal it to me, Lord God, and if you'll give me the strength, you will help me to be able to overcome this. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Now, there are four action steps I want to give you very quickly. The first thing that we've got to do if we're going to move past this guilt in our lives is... We have to avoid inappropriate strategies such as these three. Number one, evasion. Number two, projection. And number three, minimizing. Now let me tell you what each of those mean. The first thing is evasion. We just act like it never happened. I didn't really wrong that person. I didn't really say that to that individual. I didn't really mean what they thought I said when I said that to that person. And we evade the very thing that is causing us to feel this sense of guilt in our life. We evade it. My dad treated me in a way that was unhealthy, that was wrong. But then we act like it did not happen instead of getting good counseling and allowing Scripture to heal us. We evade the issue. We evade the issue when we do not recognize that we're angry with our parents and that we're angry with that person that abandoned us and that we're angry with this, that, or the other. We can't evade the truth. The truth shall be known and the truth shall set you free. But the truth cannot be known if you evade it. Secondly, projection. What that means is you got to blame somebody else for everything in your life. I'd have never said that. I'd have never done it. I would have never gone there. It would have never happened in my life had it not been for Joe Blow and his wife Cindy. I am not guilty in this situation. We become politicians with God, making all these promises and saying, I did not do it. I am not a crook. When we know good and well 
that maybe we weren't responsible for all of it, but we played a role in the situation. And when we want to just project all the blame on somebody else, we'll never get free from it. But if we're willing to accept the role that we played in the situation, then we can get free from it. The other thing is minimize it. Oh, it wasn't really all that bad. Yeah, it really wasn't all that bad. I just stole a pack of gum. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I only just took one tool from work every week. It wasn't that big of a deal. I just, I just cheated a little bit on my taxes. It, wasn't, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I only worked 37 hours this week, but I went ahead and put 40 down on my, my car. You know, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't really cheat on my wife or my husband. I just looked at someone and I thought, I have a great appreciation for the way that other individual looks. And we forget that the Word of God says that if we look at someone with lust in our heart, it is though we have already committed adultery with that individual. Are you guys okay? Shake your neighbor and say, I've never heard pastor preach like this in a while. Now listen, some of us just need to take a course correction. And we need to get where God needs us to be. We can just minimize sin. Minimize our words. It didn't really hurt their feelings. I, I love this one. I was just joking. I, I, I didn't really mean it. Did you put your dirty clothes in the laundry? I think I did. When we know good and well that we didn't. I, you, what are we saying? All right, does grace cover all that? Yes. But grace is contingent upon our confession of our transgressions. I should have virtually amen that one. That was good. I wish I could remember what I said so that I could say it again. But anyway, we can't minimize it. And then here's the second thing. Action steps. we got to clarify the guilt. Now listen, I want you to really pay attention here because this is important. There's different kinds of guilt in our life. For instance, we, we need to ask ourselves, is this guilt that I'm feeling, is it legitimate? How did I contribute to it? Is it legitimate or is it illegitimate? Was this caused by someone or something else? Listen, some of you are feeling guilt that someone else caused and they should be the one feeling guilty and not you. So you got to analyze this emotion. Don't cover it up. Don't push it back in the corner. But if you're feeling this emotion about this situation, ask the Lord, is this legitimate? Did I really do that? Did I really say that? Did I actually play a role in that situation? Am I guilty of that? For Lord, if I am guilty of that, I want you to search me and see if there be any wicked way in me and cleanse me from it. And we've got to be willing to accept what we have legitimately contributed to. But there are some of you carrying guilt that it's not your fault. You didn't contribute to it. And yet you still deal with it every day of your life. I want to just ask you this question, and I mean it with all love in my heart, and I'm trying to say this so that hopefully it will help you, but my question to you is, all of the emotional energy that you're putting into something that you did not do and could not help is only harming you. And there comes a time when you need to just let it go. You need to put it on the, the wings of a dove and let it fly away from you and experience the freedom of God and live in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Forgive it. Move beyond it. The next action step is to confess the sin to God. Now, here's what we have to understand about this. Confess here literally means to agree with or to say the same thing as God. So when we confess, we're agreeing with God. That's what we're doing. I confess, Lord, you're right. You have all the wisdom here. You know all the things. And I, I confess, you're right. I confess. 
I'm agreeing with you. Some people think that to confess, confess means that every day that you live, you've got to give a list of 10 things before you go to bed at night. Now, Lord, I was, I was short with my wife this morning. I said things I shouldn't have said. Uh, Lord, I, I spilled food on the counter, and instead of cleaning it up, I just swiped it down between where the stove sits and the countertop is, and, 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 and I confess that. And, 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 and God, I, you know, I, I, my, my wife asked me if I brushed my teeth today, and I told her yes, and I haven't. And, and you know, and we think... That we just have to put this list together all day and confess all these things. We think that we have to... to I, 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 I don't, sometimes I make enemies in the church of God because I'm just... I, I just am what I am. I just... I call it the way I see it. And a few years back, they were trying to get pastors to get a group of accountability pastors to stand with them and they were going to have confession sessions all the time. Meet once a week over coffee and you tell another pastor what you've done wrong, whether or not you lusted after some woman or whether or not uh, you stole something from this, that, or the other. You have a bad attitude. Confess all that to your confession a partner in your confession session. I raised my hand. They said, yes. I said, it won't work. They said, why won't it work? I said, because if my brother confesses that he lusted after a woman, the Bible says it is though he has already committed adultery with her, and if he confesses that to me, I am required by the polity of the church of God to call the state overseer and report him, and he will lose his license because he confessed something that he should have confessed to God and God only. Now we sometimes think, well, we've got to confess to everybody else we got to get online and post it on Facebook so that everybody can see. We don't want everybody to see how bad we are. We want everybody to see how good we are. Because I discovered my sin. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. So I'm going to post about it on Facebook. Listen, can I tell you that all confession means <coughs> is that we are willing to agree with God about how that we should be living our lives. And when we agree with God, then He will allow us to know how we should be walking every day. And there's one final thing. Come help me close if you will. And it is this. After we've done those things, we need to repent and then advance. Now, repenting is different than confessing. Confessing is agreeing with God. Repenting is turning around and going the other direction. <clears throat> That's what it means to repent. You see, before I was saved, I was walking this direction. I was doing whatever I wanted to do whenever and however I wanted to do it. But then I met Jesus. And I invited Jesus to come into my life. And He came into my life and He forgave me for my sins. And He removed everything from me. Made me a new creature. Moved my sins as far as the east is from the west. <clears throat> and so now, I turn around and I'm walking the other direction. What is that? Repentance. I heard a preacher preaching several years ago and he said, There's an interesting thing about this earth. If you were able to stand on the globe and you started in Louisville, Kentucky walking north, and went past the, what do you call it up there? The North Pole. Went on the other side. Instead of walking north, you'd now be walking what? South. And you'd come back all the way to Louisville, and you would be walking north when you get down to the southern pole. But when you stand in Louisville, and you point yourself in the direction of Lexington, and you start walking east. Did you know that there will never be a time when you will be walking west? You can go to Lexington and you'll still be walking east. You can walk all the way to New York City. You'll still be walking east.
If you could walk on water, you could walk across the ocean. And you'd still be walking east. And here's the point. The Lord has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered against us again. There's a story told about a lady who approached her pastor at the conclusion of church and said, Pastor, you've been telling us now for several weeks that you speak directly to God. Does God speak directly to you? Oh yeah, He speaks directly to me. And she said to him, she said, I did something when I was in college that I've lived with my whole life. I've carried guilt because of what I did in college. She said, I'll let it go if you'll talk to God this week and if God will tell you what I did when I was in college. And the pastor said, all right, I'll pray for you this week. And he prayed for her. And the next week she came up and she said, I want to know if God spoke to you. And he said, he sure did. And she said, I want to know Did he tell you what I did when I was in college? What did he say? And the pastor simply said, he said, I don't remember. When I read that this week, I thought, I'm so glad that God does not even spend any time trying to remember the things that are weighing us down and burdening us that we've been carrying in our soul for all these years. He's already forgiven us. And in forgiving us, He chose to forgive. What does that mean? Is God forgetful? Can He not process the fact that we did something? Oh yeah. Otherwise, He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. If he doesn't know that, oh, he knows. But he has chosen to never consider it and hold it against you. You are free from it. Will you stand with me this morning? 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God that's what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 there is read it with me on the screen read it out loud there is therefore now will you say now we say it again will you say it like you believe that that's right now say not yesterday not tomorrow Not a year from now. There is therefore now. Say now. Look at your spouse, your neighbor, your friend. Say now. Tell them now means right now. It means right now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say, For those who not walk after the flesh, but walk in the Spirit of God. Aren't you glad? There's no condemnation if you've been forgiven. Everybody come on down as you're coming on down. We're going to pray together this morning. Sing for us right now, if you will, as they're coming. And let's just focus our mind on worshiping right now.